you'll be very pleased to know I'm not going to speak for very long. Did Naomi just say, he always says that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I never intend to. So I just wanted us to think a little bit tonight just about um, living an interrupted life. So, and what that might mean for us. So this is, being as I was fairly small in number, I thought what I'll do is I'm just going to bring you a few thoughts from Scripture for a little bit. And then we can open it up to you guys. And you can share maybe a little bit of some of the way that Jesus has interrupted you in your life. So that's just your five minute warning. Um, And let's just be listening and seeing what God might want to say through this. But as I was preparing tonight, that's what I felt he wanted to say actually, you know, sometimes we just need to be ready for him to interrupt our lives. So last weekend, hands up if you were here last weekend for the prayer and praise. About three of us. Okay, good. Right. So um, June um, helped us through a Alexio Duina where we study a passage of scripture and then imagine where we are in that passage of scripture and what might God be saying to us through it. It can be a really helpful Christian meditative practice if you've never done it before. I'd really encourage you to, to kind of sort that out and find out about it. And that's part of where tonight came from. It was something that God said to me. At the end of there. And the passage we were looking at is where Jesus calls Peter in the first place. Um, and the, uh, Jesus has gone to teach the crowds on the, the shore of Galilee. And uh, he's turned up, and a large crowd has gathered with him and around him. And there's Peter, he's just come in from a hard night's work, um, and he's mending his nets somewhere down on the end of the beach. And I always thought that's an interesting kind of thing to be new in, isn't it? When the local celebrity has just turned up in your village, everyone else has rocked up and turned out to see him and hear him and what he might say. And you are busy going about your daily chores doing your own thing down the other end of the beach somewhere. And I often think, you know, if Peter had just been left to his own devices and Jesus had not intervened, would he have gone through the whole of this next part of his life never actually knowing what God thought about him or what God wanted for him at all? But actually Jesus doesn't let him get away with that. And I think this is true in my experience as well sometimes. It's very easy just to be going about your daily life doing the things that you normally do and always do. And then Jesus pops up somewhere. And on this occasion, if you remember the story, Jesus just comes and sits in Peter's boat. And then asks him if he could put out a little way from the shore. And me being the kind of guy that always wonders about odd stuff. I'm like, the boat's just pulled up just onto the shore, just right in the shallows, but resting, so it's keels on the sand. And Jesus is sitting in it. And then he asks Peter to pull it out a little bit and put it on the lake. Does Jesus just sit in it? 
with his body weight in it, weighing it down into the sand as well, while Peter struggles to do that or not. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But when we're thinking about strange things that people think sometimes, that's the kind of strange thing that I think. There's no mention that Jesus helped him move the boat. And it was definitely beached at the time Jesus got into it. So did he just let Peter struggle with his weight in it to pull it out? I don't know. But anyway, Peter pulls it out and, uh, and Jesus preaches from it. And uh, then he gets to the, the end of all he's been teaching. And, uh, and then he makes this, this wonderful suggestion as the rabbi of the day. Let's go fishing. <laughs> Let's put out into deeper water. And we all know the story. Peter responds to him and goes, we've been fishing all night. And we caught nothing. Um, I always think that there's a little bit in Peter. He's just worked all night. Then he's been mending his nets. He's had enough. He's probably a bit cheesed off. He's got nothing to show for it. Um, and then this guy, whose father was a carpenter by trade, so presumably he was as well, decides to tell him how to do his job better than he can do it himself. But because Peter allows himself to be interrupted in that moment and in those things, he puts out into the deeper water, and we all know what happens. They catch so many fish, it's sinking two boats, trying to get them into shore. And they struggle to get the fish onto shore, and everyone's amazed And then Jesus says, it's okay, from now on, you're going to catch men. You're going to fish for men. And they pull the boats up on the beach and go off on all of the rest of the incredible adventures that they have together over the next three years or so and on into the future start to happen because Peter's life got interrupted by Jesus when he was going about his normal daily business. So I just want to encourage us a little bit because I think sometimes Jesus does want to interrupt us in the ordinary stuff that we get involved in. And sometimes actually I think when we're just going about our daily business he wants to us to notice that actually he's there. I think he wants us to take an interest in him. And if we don't, in my experience, it has a way of provoking us to <laughs> coming and sitting in your boat and asking you to do something about it. And I just wonder tonight, is there anything in that? Is Jesus asking any of us to be interrupted in the middle of what we're doing at the moment? Don't know. Hold that thought. It's a strange thing, isn't it? They left all the fish. Does that strike anybody else as strange? I wonder whether there's anyone astute enough like from out of them to go, right, uh, fish, 50p a, a go, yeah. Loads of them. We're rich for life. But there's no suggestion that they made their fortune that day. They just, the one thing that they'd spent their whole lives working for and looking for, the whole thing that was going to make fishermen a living, never rich, but a living, they've just had the biggest catch of their entire lives and they leave it all. And follow Jesus instead. 
Jesus often interrupts us at totally inappropriate moments, does something fantastic, and then takes us off in a completely different direction. My experience. So, Zacchaeus. You all know who Zacchaeus is. You know, you're all lovely Christian people here. You all know these stories. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. So, um, Grace, what's Zacchaeus' job? Start of a ten. Sorry, that was really unfair of me, wasn't it? I thought you'd know that one instantly. Zacchaeus, little short guy, ends up in a tree in the middle of this story. What was his job? Yeah, you're right, yeah, you're right. Nice and loudly, go on. He was a tax collector. One of those people that everybody loves. Yeah? Tax collector. Now Zacchaeus, he was just going around his daily life as well, doing what he normally did. Ripping people off and scamming everybody he possibly could for a little bit of lucre. The Bible says he was rich. And actually, unlike Peter and his fellows who were probably never going to make much money out of doing an honest day's work, Zacchaeus is making a fortune skimming off the top of the Romans. And, uh, and he's really wealthy. So nobody likes him. He's cheated his family and his friends and anybody that he's come into contact with to get that amount of money. He's just going about his daily life, doing what he does. Working in the shady underworld of the day. But when Jesus the celebrity comes along, unlike Peter, Zacchaeus wants to have a look. He wants to see what all the fuss is about. And so we all know the story. He goes and climbs a tree because he can't see. Why can't he see? Because he's a little short ass git, yeah? Because he's a little, that's why I didn't want this video, because I couldn't say short ass git if we were streaming it, you see? So he's a little short ass git and he can't see. But what normally happens when there's somebody, what do you do when you've got children in a crowd or little shorter people? You kind of step to the side, don't you? And you kind of like, go on, go on, you know, come to the front. Not Zacchaeus. He's like, we know who he is. <laughs> he can stay at the back where he can't see. He's, yeah, no one's making way for Zacchaeus so he can see. So he goes and finds a tree along the side of the road that Jesus is walking down and climbs up that just so he can have a butcher's. And then Jesus comes along and interrupts him life completely. I wonder what Zacchaeus was actually thinking. I rather suspect, if you think about his character and his nature up to that point in time, all he wants is a good look at the celebrity rabbi who's come through town. I wonder if he's wondering whether there's any way of scamming a little bit of extra out of the disciples. And maybe Jesus got a bit of lucre. He's getting well known. I don't know, but he wants to look at him for some reason. And there he is sitting up this tree and Jesus sees him and stops. Or actually, I think the Bible says he stops and there sees him. So I don't think Zacchaeus is necessarily very obvious where he is, but Jesus stops along the way and sees him. And then does a really unusual thing. He tells him he's coming to his house for tea. Now, of course, if you're British, when someone invites themselves around for tea, it's normally considered really a bit up yourself, aren't you? (laughs) Who do you think you are inviting yourself to my house for tea? But, of course, in the Jewish culture of the time, actually hosting a rabbi 
a visiting celebrity of this kind of nature was a huge honour for somebody in the culture where hospitality is really, really important. And their law, the whole of the law of the land and the expectation on people is about being able to throw a, a good party and to host well, um, you know, and to honour your guests in that kind of way. If you remember the wedding at Canaan, the big deal in this one is they've run out of wine. These are the guys that couldn't host a decent party. Yeah? And Zacchaeus gets the honour of Jesus inviting him to his house. Now we don't know whether the next bit of dialogue actually goes on at Zacchaeus' house or not. It seems to happen almost instantaneously. Everyone else is complaining the fact that Jesus has just given Zacchaeus the honour of hosting the visiting rabbi probably because they'd all like the job as well. Um, they'd like to be honoured by having Jesus under their roof. But whatever he does in honouring Zacchaeus, it changes something in Zacchaeus' heart instantly. I wonder if it's this, it's the fact that actually Jesus, despite all that Zacchaeus has ever done, sees who he is and sees the man inside of him and sees the need inside of him and actually values him for who he is, not what he does. And he actually sees someone who's worth rescuing, who's worth honour, who doesn't understand what he's up to and what he's playing about with in this kind of illegal life he's running at the moment. And while everyone else is complaining that Jesus should honour him in that way because he's a sinner and the guy is scamming everybody else, Jesus does something in such a way that it completely turns Zacchaeus' life on its head. And he instantly goes, okay, right here and now, I'm giving half of everything I've scammed back. He actually says, half of everything I have now, I'm going to give it to the poor. And on top of that, if I've ripped anybody else, they get back four times what I've ripped off them. If you do the maths on that, you could get poor very, very quickly. But Jesus' intervention into his life, where he recognises the man who can be, not just the character that is, interrupts Zacchaeus' life in such a way it completely turns it around and transforms it. And even in our selfishness, Jesus wants to break in, wants to interrupt us in the middle of what we're doing. Let's just do one more. This is one of my favourite ones. So if you're going to interrupt something, the socially unacceptable thing to do is to interrupt a funeral. Excuse me. <laughs> let's, let's just stop this here and now. So Jesus is visiting the village of Nain. And a funeral procession that has been in the planning for several days probably, um, you know, and there's a big entourage likely coming out of the, the village uh, and down the hillside, so names kind of up on the hillside, and they will be taking the body out to a place of burial outside of the town and that kind of thing. Um, you know this story as well. So Jesus walks up to the, um, the carrying on a, on a briar, briar so between them, they're carrying this wrapped up dead body out 
down the hill in procession. There'll be all kinds of wailing and stuff going on at the time because that's the culturally acceptable way to express all your angst and pain at that point. As soon as Jesus sees him, his heart goes out to her. Why? Because she's a widow and because she's just lost her only son. Which basically means in that day and age, all the source of income, there's no social security, there's no one necessarily going to look after her unless she's got somebody to take her in. Her life is over unless she can find some way of um, making money herself. Everything has ended and it says, his heart went out to her. And then he does this incredible thing. He walks up, touches the briar that they're carrying, and everyone stops. And then he says to the guy on the briar, um, get up. And he does, and starts talking. I wonder what he was asking, or what he was talking about. That was a strange trip. I had the weirdest dream. Or, you know, what's all the fuss about? <laughs> Who died? Um, and then Jesus gives him back to his mother and interrupts her life in the most incredible way and interrupts the man's death in an even more incredible way and just gives him back. So my third thought is this, and it's just really simple, obviously. Even in the most difficult of times, Jesus is waiting to break in and interrupt the situation that we're in. Things could not have been any grimmer for the widow of Nain at that time. She's lost her husband. Now she's lost her only son. She's lost all sorts of income. And she's looking at a life desolate and desperate, moving onward. And then Jesus turns up and breaks in. And that's all I wanted to say tonight. There's just three snapshots and we could do another ten, but then we'd be here for ages. Is there anywhere where Jesus is just waiting to interrupt your life at the moment? Have you had experiences where Jesus broke in and interrupted what you were in the middle of? Maybe he's waiting right at this moment to break into your circumstances, to interrupt your life in a new and unusual way. I'm not even sure that you need to be ready for him to do that, like Peter probably wasn't, like the widow probably wasn't. I don't think Zacchaeus got up that morning and went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give half my fortune away today. But when Jesus breaks in, all kinds of crazy things can happen. So let's just take a couple of minutes and let's, let's just wait on God. Let's just ask him that question. Is there anywhere, Lord, that you want to come and interrupt my life now? Is there anything that you're waiting to break into? And let's see what he says for a minute or two. Is that okay? Does anybody want to share anything at all? Either a time where Jesus has interrupted you or 
that he could do with him interrupting you in the middle of something that you're going through at the moment. Leslie, sorry. That's all right. Go. I don't um, mind you interrupting. <laughs> um, I was thinking the other day about my iron. My iron isn't running smoothly at the moment. It has a dirty bottom. Sometimes I have uh, something I've ironed recently. Yes, shush. Um, sometimes I have iron. Something I have ironed recently has found it too hot, and some of it has stuck onto it. Onto it. It needs to be cleaned so all the impurities are taken away, so it does its job properly. We too often become roughened by sin. Only our Heavenly Father can take the rough bits away and make us fit for his purpose again. I'm thinking about rough and smooth. It's, this is, I'm coming to the bit where it's really irrelevant. Um, I came across this verse from Isaiah 42, verse 16. And as I read it again, I think it is such a good verse for today. And Isaiah 42, verse 16. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. And I feel sometimes I'm a bit blind at the moment because I don't know where we're going and I don't know what's going to happen and we're being led along unfamiliar paths. But he says, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These things I will do, I will not forsake them. That's great, Leslie, thank you. I like that idea, the fact that actually Jesus leads the blind where they can't see where they're going in unfamiliar ways as someone who often struggles to see what the heck am I doing here and where am I going um, it's good to know that Jesus is leading you all the way does anybody else I'm not going to prolong this massively do you want to it's almost the same thing um, but the Lord has already as most of you know I've had a lot of illness in my life and the Lord has brought me wonderfully through all of it and I thought oh Lord not again I know and am I at risk anyway I thought I just have to trust you in this because I had been feeling that and the Lord had been saying to my heart this is the time I want to use you and I felt he wanted me to go around, knock on friends' doors in my local area, just say, you know, hi, how are you doing, to people that, not people I don't know, because I couldn't do that, but just people, because you see people around. And then all this business with the virus started. I said, oh, Lord, I'm going to be indoors most of the time, because, you know, I'm in the at-risk age bracket. The Lord said, yes, and that's how I'm going to people to tell them that, you know, you've met the Lord in these difficult times. Um, they, 
And I just feel really encouraged. It isn't what I thought I was going to do, but it's similar. Um, and the Lord wasn't letting me do it. He was actually God has promised he will do. Yeah, Jude? Interruption isn't it? virus thing. I said she wasn't going to interrupt. So I don't know what is, but I yes, for me, life. Um, I was just trying to think about it this weekend. Really, what if I started to become ill? And obviously, like all of us, you have to follow the guidelines. And for me, that would be not working for a week or more, and for no income, which is fine. You know, God. I've learned over the years that God meets our needs in every way um but it's it's quite hard thinking you've got to self-isolate because you can't see your family you can't see anybody or if you do you've got to be more than two meters away you know if they drop off some groceries or something way through the window so i don't know but it's it actually made me think well the lord is is calling us individually in a way to a place of well that might be actually a really good thing because it gives us opportunity to be quiet and to not be tearing around and to give him time and to think about really what really does matter in life. What does he want to, us to prioritize? And yeah, whether to do things radically different or I don't know. But I think it's good to look on it as an opportunity to re-value, reassess everything that we hold dear, which isn't necessarily right I'm not saying people aren't dear um, I mean just things life, patterns, the way we live our routine, everything so I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there that for all of us this is going to be a very unusual year and let's ask the Lord to really make us better for it and to take us deeper into him in those times when perhaps we do have to be alone So going back quite a while now, um, before I went to um, Africa for a while, uh, for my gap year, I'd really wanted to do some um, outreach and sort of tried a lot of doors and constantly got shut down. Uh, And so did a ski season, which was fun. But then I started a little carpentry business and I got it going, got it going. Um, started to get clients and, and so forth um, and then God's like actually why don't you do that now what you need to do on your gap year and so completely uh, so I was like this um, opportunity just landed on my lap to go out um, to help um, teach and build and that was a real um, a bit of a test because I was like well I'm sort of just getting going here and so I sort of had to shut all that down and I just spent a lot of money on machines and various stuff like that so it really wasn't great timing um, but what was amazing was that um, by the end of the time that I had in Africa um, there, there were two things that I didn't want to, didn't want that, sorry there are two things that weren't great timing for me uh, one was I uh, 
felt like I'd be really losing out on the clients um, and the business and being able to grow and buy better machines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also, I'm to Africa. I'm not really going to find, well, I'm not necessarily going to find <laughs> uh, like a, a wife um, at the time, which for, for me was uh, was something. Um, and so uh, what was so interesting is when I chose to go and uh, go to Africa and spent like f- three years there, I managed to not only find an amazing wife, but um, when I came back, someone blessed me with a large sum of money um, that they left me in their will, which which enabled me to get the business to probably the same amount that if I just stayed in the first place. So it was a great little testimony, but it was uh, it, it was certainly not easy at the time uh, when God was like, "Now go and do it." It's great, isn't it? God's time is always perfect and often sucks for us. I asked the Lord before coming out tonight, Lord, do you want to give me anything that sort of fits in with the service? And I just got the word faith. So I thought, that's really great. Um, And then the Lord said to me, faith isn't a commodity. Faith is the confidence in who I am. And it's moving out from that place. And what you've shared tonight about God interrupting Peter had to have confidence that Jesus was who he said he was almost and moved from that place. All of these stories, uh, well, possibly with the exception of the widow's son, um, where any faith in the equation was Jesus's on that situation. But often the Lord says, well, will you trust me? And while we were just being quiet a few minutes ago I had a picture of somebody on a rope ladder a bit like a trapeze and I couldn't really get what God was saying and then I saw that underneath it there was the most huge not a safety net but you know how you put mats on the gym apparatus there was a really thick mattressy mat underneath and the person was swinging it looked precarious but they knew that underneath them there was this safe landing place and I think God wants to say to us tonight, whatever we have to experience in the next few weeks, and actually young or old, none of us know, that he is our safe landing place and we can move forward in the confidence of who he is. Anybody else? Don't need to massively prolong this, but that's really helpful. Thank you. I I think, actually, all of our lives are about to get very interrupted (laughs) in all kinds of inconvenient ways. And for this period of time, nothing is going to be quite normal for us. Um, But I think there's a difference between having our lives interrupted by circumstance and having our lives interrupted by God. So what I'd like to encourage us as a church to think about is in all of the rest of the interruption that's going on, where might God be taking us? Where might he be 
disturbing us? Where might he be interrupting our going about church even as normal? And what might he want to be doing as a consequence? So that's one side of things. But more than that, be ready for God to interrupt you in the middle of all of the things that you will have to be doing just to stay safe and be safe around your loved ones in this period of time. But be looking for those times as well where actually Jesus might want to be interrupting what you've created as a new safe routine for the sake of some other people around you. Because I have a hunch there's going to be an awful lot of people who God's going to need to um, use us to help over the next few weeks and months. So let's be ready in the midst of our own preparations and that kind of thing to be interrupted by him for the sake and on behalf of other people. It could actually be quite an exciting time. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that in a politically correct environment. But as a Christian, this has not taken God by surprise. Us maybe? God, no. Not in the slightest. And he's got at work in this, yeah? Not in some crazy... God has sent a plague and pestilence upon us. But will he be at work in it, stirring up people, and actually those people who were quite comfortably going about their everyday lives, securing the knowledge that they lived in a nice place in the West where they had plenty of food and toilet roll. Toilet roll in abundance was provided for them. A land flowing with milk and toilet roll. Um, and yet all of a sudden they find themselves rattled and unsure about how to behave and how to belong. And I think we have a great opportunity here to share faith and to talk about somebody who gives us a security that goes beyond seeming reason in some cases, other than the fact that I actually, as Jenny just said, you know, underneath us always are God's everlasting arms and we can have faith in him and trust that he'll catch us when we fall. Has anybody got anything else they want to share? Otherwise, I think um, let's just worship God a little bit more, ponder on that, and then we'll we'll go home. Okay. If you think of anything, feel free to interrupt us in a minute. We're going to let let's worship a little bit.